computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by free agent man McBasketball. That's not a good one. I gotta I gotta re workshop that, but I'll do start again. I wanna I'm not trying to like KOC you, but when I have good names for you, wait, hold on. No, just keep it in. <laughs> All right. Well that's in now. Hello everyone. Welcome to the show. I've been working fifty five hours this week, so how are you, Tim? I've been busy as well. Not that busy, but but pretty busy. Uh and I just Having a dog these days is difficult if you have to get them groomed. I guess they're like backlogged for like yeah. weeks and weeks. So we just did it and it is rough. Ouch, man. So, that's like giving so a child a haircut and then sending him to school and they get made fun of. Yeah, but hair every inch of his body. So it's even, <laughs> even more opportunity to screw up. So that's been a lot of my day today. But I'm excited to dive into – well – I was excited to dive into some free agent guards. Mm. After actually digging into the free agent guards, I'm a little bit less excited. I feel like we went through this last year, too, where it was like, mm, you know, meh, there's a couple guys that like I could see in some circumstances. But overall, we mm-hmm. weren't super excited. Um, so, yeah, today, just so everyone knows, we're going to be talking about free agent guards. Uh, this is not sign and trade options. These are people who can come straight to the Lakers. We're not talking restricted free agents. So it kind of, you know, are we talking some restricted free agents? I have a restricted free agent on my list, but only because I'm expecting the team to let him walk. Got it. I'm I'm just saying, yeah, we're not dancing around the what if they match kind of question as much as, you know, would this player work for the Lakers and, you know, would they come for this price point? So that's kind of more the focus of our conversation here today, Tim. Uh, And you put together this list of players who, uh, you know, based on your research, putting together what, uh, you know, kind of output they've had or kind of career their point uh, inflection point they're at, uh, that they would reasonably be uh, willing to come to the Lakers for the mini mid level, which is what about 5 million, right? Five and a half million, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, talk to me, man. What does this kind of list of players look like and how'd you put it together? Yeah. So we took, I think it was 15 total days. Uh, We started that it was a team for a day was the name of the channel on the discord. It turned out to be about two teams per day where we ran through said, we're Milwaukee. Here's what we're going to do with our free agents. Here's our spending power. Here are the types of guys we're going to go after. And from that, Tom's going to be able to see this, but no one else will. I have this nice little handy dandy chart that goes position by position and shows the spending power that each team has that would have an interest in filling each position. So like they're going to be like the Bulls, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, and the Knicks very likely will have cap space to spend on a point guard. Charlotte's probably going to have cap space to spend on a center. The Spurs are going to have cap space to spend on a power forward. And, you know, ones, twos, ones and twos, wings, like lots of different, basically whatever the team would be needing based on their roster construction, we figured out what is the demand? What, like how many teams have the full MLE? How many have cap space? How many have the mini MLE? And then based on the Lakers pecking order, 
they're going to have they I mean they have the same amount of spending power for guards, wings, and bigs, but relative to other teams and relative to the market, that spending power will fluctuate based on kind of their rank among the folks with money. And so today we're talking guards and the other side of this is listing out who those guards are and figuring out, you know, what matches the, where the Lakers are from a spending power standpoint. And so I set out that survey, got like 50,000 responses, 60,000 responses, which was great. So we have a pretty decent relative ranking of how folks are valuing free agents this offseason. I combined that with uh, using our LeBron statistic at B-Ball Index, kind of what I'm expecting those players to generate from a value add standpoint. And then also looking at, all right, well, maybe this guy was the 20th free agent on the list, but for their team, they really need to keep him because they don't have spending power, so they won't be available on the market. So we're going to be looking at for who's available after teams keep their own players that are going to be able to keep their own players. Because if the Lakers are looking at a dude and another team is going to give him 15 mil a year to come back, their mini MLEs probably not going to compete with that. So who's realistically left available and going to be there for the Lakers to look at? at look at. Uh, once they get to, you know, once free agency kind of works it works its way down to the Lakers. And the general list was TJ McConnell, Patty Mills, Kendrick Nunn, Bryn Forbes, uh, Tomas Sadoransky, Wes Matthews, who the Lakers will probably keep, uh, Lou Williams, Austin Rivers, Wayne Ellington, Avery Bradley, Corey Joseph, Terrence Davis, Garrett Temple, and Mike James. These are potentially gettable guys. Each of us picked five from this list to go over, and then I'll screw around in the Discord and cover the rest over the next few days. Um, but do you want to just go tit for tat and uh, work our way down the lists that we picked and see who we like at the end of this? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I, you know, we kind of pick three ones we talk want to kind of want to talk about a little bit more in depth, and then we'll probably go uh, our last two. Just kind of hit on it a little bit quicker because they're a little bit lower end. And um, but but first, before we get there, I kind of wanted to lay out just a quick context for, you know, if the Lakers were to use this bullet as we've called it over the last few pods on a guard. What would that look what would have to happen first? Right. Which guards got traded maybe in a, mm-hmm. a different kind of package? Because as the team is right now, if they brought back Schroeder, if they if they brought back THT and Caruso, there's not a whole lot of there's no opportunity in the back in the backcourt. Right. So you're not looking at these guys for that bullet. So let's you know, like this is presuming, right, that. Truder, THT, or Caruso, at least one of them, and KCP fits into that as well, is gone. Am I am I right in that? I think that makes a lot of sense. And if they, I mean, they could still use this on a guard for the mini MLE, but I don't think the value would be as much there given where right. they fit on the depth chart. But there, I mean, there are some pretty good players available. Like TJ McConnell is worth way more than this, mm-hmm. but the Pacers don't have money and they want to stay under the cap and they're going to prioritize. Uh, Buggy, uh, Dougie McBuckets instead so he's just gonna fall out there or like Kendrick Nunn somebody that is worth more but Miami's ready to move on from what I'm hearing uh from folks within here towards the Miami organization and they're chasing aggressively other guards so he's gonna be just kind of left out into the cold so there are some guys available that normally wouldn't be so maybe the Lakers grab one of those and they supplant someone else on the roster but I would say there would have to be a pretty good chance that somebody leaves either via trade or just walks in free agency in order for one of these other players to be that spending power that the Lakers use, the right. MLE on. 
Right, right. And, you know, we don't know what that deal looks like, so it's impossible to say what it is going to be mm-hmm. yet. But I would just say, right, so let's start with TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell would be a very wise uh, replacement for an Alex Caruso, in my opinion. You know, he brings a little bit, a lot more on the playmaking end, but he also has his badge, you know, defensive role. This is the point of attack. Um, you know, per your player profile, I'm going to use this for all these players, Tim, give you a breakdown. You know, he's going to be, you know, your guard, your slasher, our offensive archetype, point of attack on defense, top talent areas or playmaking, finishing one-on-one and perimeter defense. Now, with a guy like TJ McConnell that you really, you know, it, it, it starts to taste a little bit worse is his three-point shooting percentage is pretty pretty bad. I mean, his overall three-point percentage last year is 29.4%, 32nd percentile, but his catch-and-shoot threes, you know, 45.5%, 93rd percentile. That can be helpful. I want to know, would it stay that high at the volume we'd need for him? But TJ McConnell, you know, he's... Amazing at stealing the ball away in the backcourt. He's got a great read of angles and and defending the point of attack. But I still think there's a lot of offensive limitations there that Alex Caruso presents. And Alex Caruso can do a little bit different things maybe in getting to the rim and actually finishing above the rim. But, you know, it's still a very small portion of his usage, I would say. But what... What would you think about T.J. McCall around this team? Because I definitely think, at least on the defensive end, he could fit in really well. He's one of those guys that if you suddenly gave him like a good three-point shot, he would be worth so much money because he is really, really good at getting to the rim, pretty good at finishing at the rim. He's like a legit, legit, very good passer in a lot of different ways. He just doesn't have the scoring gravity. He doesn't have the off-ball Gravity as a three-point shooter. And, like, I look at the percentages and, uh, like, the the 45% you threw out, that was from, like, last season, not this past season. I mean, pretty good, but, like, on almost no volume. And I'm looking at this profile, and every single one of his three-point areas has a little asterisk next to it that indicates that he's taking, like, less than one attempt per game. So he is just, like, the percentages aren't good, but he's not trying so he's someone that you can just go under ball screens against. You can sag off of away from the ball. So unless he is able to fully utilize his playmaking capabilities and try to slash a bunch, get to the rim, he's not someone you pair with LeBron James and Anthony Davis off ball right. and feel good about. Uh, so I I mean, there's a lot that is good with his game. His defense is fantastic. He's a really good like defensive playmaker. And his impact on both ends is still like pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um good on ball defender, pick and roll defender, all those different things. It's just the fits really tough. I mean, so, wait, hold on. The more you're talking about this, you know, what you're describing to me is a Rondo replacement that the team never really had last year. As far as a second unit organized for his playmaking data is fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. 99th percentile playmaking talent. So again, like just kind of, I never thought about this, but we never replaced Rondo exactly last year. Um, you know, Schroeder's a much different kind of player, someone you can insert into the starting lineup and give you different things. But TJ McConnell might fit that six-man, you know, captain of the bench squad and that can play some crunch time minutes, but it still can be a clunky fit if he's not making threes. That's fucking Rondo, isn't it? Yeah, in a way it is, yeah. Like, defenses are going to sag off of him off ball, but if he's in those bench units and just out there running stuff, like, this is a dude that can get you in your sets, make all the reads in the sets. 
even with his current limitations, like he's still been an offensive, an impactful offensive player. So it's not that it can't work. It's just that the fit there with the starting group isn't fantastic. But for this kind of money and where his where he'd be on the depth chart, you don't need him to be able to do that per se. So I don't hate it. I don't know. This is an interesting Me neither. one. It's, uh, I, I just wish he could like hit like 33% of his threes on like some kind of volume. Mm. Because like he just doesn't take them, so there's really no gravity there. Like his, he's got like the little poop emoji next to his gravity thing. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I will keep that in mind. If he's available, you can certainly grab him, and for five mil, he's going to provide excess value, even just on the defensive end. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you know, again, you don't know the other players that have gone out, the other players who have come in, where you've upgraded, where you can move the pieces around to make T.J. McConnell fit in better. Um, so I think he's a very specific skill set that maybe is, you know, more specific than some of these other guys we'll talk about. But it, the way he plays, you can see a pathway of it fitting in with how the Lakers want to play with defense and then having another creator, uh, you know, off of LeBron or like without mm-hmm. LeBron on the floor to uh, to run the show. But that was my first pick. Tim, who is your next guy? So. I, of looking at the five that I picked after digging into all the data and looking at some film, I think Kendrick Nunn is my top pick of the five I looked at. He's interesting. a 25-year-old lefty. He, based on the Miami folks I've spoken with, is going to be available. They're going to let him walk. They are chasing other point guards. They want to just switch things up. And he was just kind of the wrong guy in the wrong role at the wrong time. He, to me, if you slot him more in as like a shooting guard, He's a really good fit. Um, he's not the tallest dude. He's like 6'2", but he's offensively a secondary ball handler, and he's very good at getting to the rim. He's very good at finishing at the rim. His uh, He has our giant slayer badge as like a smaller dude that that is able to finish over you know some larger players. He had a silver badge last year, a gold badge this past season, uh, and he's also a pretty good playmaker, like A-minus playmaking talent grade across the board with his volume, quality, versatility. Like, he's making the reads. He's getting guys high-quality shots on pretty good volume. His efficiency is the one knock on his playmaking. Not his scoring efficiency, but his passing efficiency in terms of, like, throwing the ball away. He had an F his rookie year. He had a D- minus this past season. So, I mean, you overall, still pretty good. A little bit more turnover generation that you than you'd prefer, but at least it's turnover generation seeking those high quality looks. So if you can work that up, if you can get some of those player development coaches working with him, and we can get this to like a C, I love his playmaking and everything else that's around it. He's got that pretty lefty shot, and speaking of that pretty lefty shot, his his threes go in. Like this is uh, of the other players on the list. Not yeah, we don't have too much three point shooting, but this is a guy that as a catch and shoot guy or as a pull up shooter, he can do it. Um, and I like that as an off-ball player, as an on-ball player. I'm looking at his like pick-and-roll information and looking through the film, and he's a guy that if you go under, he's going to knock that three down, and that's something that this team sorely misses. This is someone that defenses don't go under his ball screens, um, and that opens up so much more if you have a lob threat or you're, you have that big man rolling. He's going to be able to make them more open because you can't go under ball screens the way that teams go under Alex Caruso, THT, and Dennis Schroeder. So that's really interesting to me from a pick-and-roll scoring efficiency standpoint. He's been above average uh, the past two seasons, his two seasons in the league. So offensively, I like it. He's got the shooting, the the finishing, the playmaking. I'm a, I'm a fan. And then defensively, he's a point-of-attack defender, 
A minus difficulty, B plus versatility. That all looks good. He's got a good pickpocket rating. I think he was in the B range. He's not really playing passing lanes all that much, but decent positional defender. He's an okay pick and roll, okay dribble handoff defender. His on-ball defense is a little bit worse, but it's not like bad enough that you go pick on him. Uh, and his, but his his defensive impact overall was a D. Uh, so I, I think that on-ball defense, some of the rotation stuff, not exactly where you'd like it to be. But I also think that you can kind of scale down his defensive role a bit. He wouldn't have A minus difficulty. He probably wouldn't need B plus versatility in his role for the Lakers. And I see that being able to make his defensive impact be a little bit closer to average. Um, for context, I feel like he's a, a shrewder replacement. Yeah, he but a shrewder replacement a that shoots shrewder. it. Right. Cheaper, shoots it much better, <laughs> like playmaking that's kind of in that same caliber. Right, uh, right. I think his but he's not replacing is, Caruso. He's not replacing THT, I mean. I guess yeah. he's closer to a shrewd. Yeah. And, and I mean, we don't even need to – like it doesn't need to be a one-for-one. One. Like you can even improve a little sure. bit or we can add in a new type of skill set. But that's a good way to contextualize kind of what he'd bring. And he's still pretty young. I, I mean, depending on what you can get him for – I don't know if he'd sign a longer-term deal, but if you can grab him – in a prove it deal for a competitor in a better fit for him and he can perform well he'll probably leave after that but uh he's someone that's already improved a lot from his first year to his second year i know miami fans were really frustrated with him in that first year when he wasn't playing as well and he was turning the ball over he's gotten much more efficient he's playing within himself much better he's matured a good bit and his overall impact was at a start a starter caliber this past season looking at his mm -hmm. lebron's win added he added about eight mil in value this past year um, and I mean, grabbing eight mil for five mil is, is value add. And as a young guy, I can see him improving and being an even better player than we saw this past year in Miami. All right, really quick. I have a couple quick hitters questions about him just for, again, more context, uh, to help you help me understand, you know, the system of, of LeBron a little bit better. So I'm looking at his overall team impact data, right? And, uh, I know the knock on him has been inconsistency, um, and because he couldn't find his way under the floor a lot in the, you know, in the bubble playoffs. And when he was, he was a bit of a liability. But looking at his, you know, again, his team impact data, so his LeBron is 14th percentile F. His offensive LeBron is 36th percentile D plus, And his defensive LeBron is 13th percentile F grade. But to your point, his LeBron wins added is 40th percentile for C minus with actually a positive value. So... <laughs> How does that, you know, I know I'm not saying you to break down the whole equation, but what kind of context can you give us to say why some of that team data looks so bad, but his, it, his wins added maybe is more, yeah. just slightly below average. You're looking at 2019, 2020 data. Oh. That's, so that then would that, be my, and, and based on that, you may be about to share some other 2019, 2020 data on some other guys. But, uh, so the, the reason the wins added would be higher is because, his minutes was high enough and his overall per 100% impact per, per 100 possession impact was at a level that by over the aggregate, he was able to add more value than more than other players. Like you can have two guys, they're each, I don't know, we'll say a C plus per hundred possessions. But if one of them's playing starter minutes and the other one plays off the bench, the, the guy with the more minutes is going to have more aggregate impact. Whereas if you have two negative guys, the one that plays more might take away more and, and have an even lower impact because it's it's that aggregate. This past season, he had a C overall, B on offense, D on defense, 
and then his wins added was a B because he he had that C overall impact on pretty good minutes. Gotcha. Yeah, that was my bad. Uh, apologies for that. But I think it helped improve my point where, you know, he did have uh, a bit of a struggle in that uh, the year before last, uh, or yep. I guess last year, uh, technically, this year's not over yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I My concerns, again, I've, I've watched uh, not very little, but not as much of him, right? Is the consistency there? Um, it's definitely, he's going to have the opportunity. And I like your point that this is the kind of player who would sign a small deal like this on a team with opportunity and a stage to get that next deal that might not be with the same team, but where does he in a perfect world play on defense? Because I don't know if I trust him at the point of attack as your main point of attack defender. Um, And so in that case is if he's going to be guarding twos, he's a little small, I think to, be able to pull that off in 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 some of these matchups so i i guess defensively is kind of more of the harder way to find him and hide him in the starting lineup yeah he's not so hot at chasing guys around screens and he is also shorter so using him as a chaser as a or as a wing stopper doesn't really vibe with his skill set and physical tools so i think you do have to use him at the point of attack defensively Fair enough. Um, I I don't hate Kendrick Nunn. It doesn't get me excited. I feel like it would be a, a a valuable contingency plan, but definitely not something you, you know, again, none of these guys are your first option. Yeah, he's for five mil. Having a guy that like can legit shoot, get to and finish at the rim and, and pass is at least on the list of five guys I was looking at was it it stood out because everybody else was like good in one or maybe two of those areas. And he at least had that complete package in it. The the defense isn't great, but it's not awful. It's not like an F where he's like a minus two points per hundred possession defender, like a Carmelo Anthony or somebody where like you just need tremendous offensive impact in order to make up for that. He's already good enough that he's an average player and if he's your fourth or fifth guard, I'm good with that. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, again, I don't want to go out and, and start, you know, aiming for that right away, but it's nice to have. And it is practical that he could outperform that contract and bring more value than uh, the money mm-hmm. uh, demands, which is kind of what we're looking for in this equation for the Lakers to kind of, um, you know, outperform you know, maybe where people are expecting them to, to play. So yep. um, I'm not, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I would be okay with it, I think is my final answer. Okay. Who's your second guy? My second guy is Lou Williams. Um, Lou is coming off that, you know, deep playoff run with the Hawks where he actually stayed on the floor a lot longer than I thought he would. Obviously it didn't work out for the Hawks. A lot of injuries and stuff around, but Lakers fans know Lou Williams. Lou Williams hasn't changed the kind of player he's been, right? He keeps doing Lou Williams, and he does it well. He's going to come off the bench. He's going to get buckets. You know what I mean? He might make a couple passes when he gets a little bit of attention. But overall, he's going to raise that floor for your bench unit scoring and just give you a punch that I think is at least valuable enough and that the Lakers need enough to consider, you know, bringing him in and giving him a shot at a $5 million contract. Again, he's been with the Lakers. He's been with the franchise. So I feel 
anytime that happens with our team, it maybe gives those players a slight advantage or kind of a more practical, like the Lakers like to bring back people they know. They like to work with people they've worked with in the past. Um, he fits his very specific skill set that they could use off the bench. However, it's he's not going to provide anything on defense, right? So yeah, it's, bad. To, to, it's bad, bad. And you're not replacing Lou Williams or Alex Caruso with Lou Williams. You're at, at best. This would be like maybe Schroeder, maybe THT is probably the better answer, even though THT can play some defense. He is a liability, you know, based at least he was, you know, I'm expecting him to get better within team scheme and individual performance, but Lou Williams is Lou Williams. So there is always going to be that flaw with him on the defensive end of the court. Do you think he could bring enough outside shooting, cre uh, shot creation and other, you know, veteran leadership, I guess, that would make him worth it at this mini mid level? The numbers from an impact standpoint paint a bleak picture where like his defense is so bad that you need him to be much better offensively to make it worth it but he would kind of be a shot in the arm with this bench unit in ways that both from him scoring and then also enabling others to score I think would be really important his shooting is good catching and shooting he's good pull-up shooting pull-up three-point shooting very good and he's someone that we've seen paired with lob threats in different places and he's made them look awesome uh he's made guys like you know your your nerdless noels or whoever's of the world look better than they would look with a tht or a dennis Schroeder or an alex caruso so enabling your centers to look better i think is important he's going to draw two defenders in ball screens he's, he's not going to be facing drop coverage so that opens up the short roll and then you can open up other things from there in terms of just like getting to the rim, I think that's important. He hasn't he doesn't really finish all that well at the rim anymore at this point in his career, but he's getting to the rim pretty well. And uh, from a passing standpoint, he's kind of similar to none where like the efficiency is really poor and he'll throw the ball away a good bit, but he can make the reads and be your energy scoring guy off the bench. And I think there's value for that in the NBA. And we saw Atlanta really appreciate that. And like you said, he did stay on the court a bit longer than I would have expected, and I'm not sure that was because – it might have been because he didn't have better options because um, the defense is bad, and he's getting older. So I don't mind him coming off my bench as a more of like a deeper bench guy that like we know we can go to if the game is looking that way, but he wouldn't be in an opening lineup. He wouldn't be in a crunch time lineup, which most none of these guys would um, – but the de the defense for me is just it's tough to stomach because I know it's bad, and he's already hiding. He's he's in that helper role with very little activity, f matchup difficulty, and he's a guard. So he is one of the, like he's on the short list of guys that are already being hidden on defense, and that doesn't really fit all that well within the Lakers' defensive scheme. Yeah, there's a lot of ways in which I think you can see the Lou Williams signing going poorly um even if he doesn't fall off a cliff athletically you know he still have all those de defensive limitations and then if he does lose a bit of a step it affects his offense even more because that's what he's good at right now that's where the cliff there is a cliff to fall off right he mm -hmm. can't fall off a cliff on defense because he's already in the ocean um so it's it's not a hard no from me, but I feel like, again, this is like an eighth man, ninth man that like he's better than the minimum, 
but the kind of guy that if you wanted a ring chaser, this is the kind of guy you're like, okay, yeah, like eighth, ninth guy just to have that shot in the arm ability. Uh, and we lost a THT because we upgraded at this position. I could get more behind that. But for the mini MLE, it's probably a no for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's tough. And I mean, we realistically may not find a great or too many great mini MLE guard options. And we may not even need them. If the Lakers bring back Caruso and THT mm-hmm. and Schroeder, we don't really need these guys. Uh, but it's good to look at them and keep that in mind. I guess, We'll keep that in mind as we move forward that like if they do keep everybody, maybe they need a specialist. Maybe one of these guys is available for the men because the, between the vet men and the five mil, it's not all that much different. Yeah. And maybe one or two of these guys on our list does fall to that men. And if so, a Lou Williams off the bench would be awesome. Like that's that's a right. great – he's going to provide value for that deal. Yeah. And yeah. you just kind of use it situationally. And I mean it, he is what, 34, 35? So – Getting yeah. up there, so at some point the offense will fall off a bit more, and the defense certainly isn't gonna get any better. But another option to keep in mind, and transitioning into another vet. Uh, really mice. quick, really quick, before yeah. you go, this is a tease. We're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and Tim will tell you about this basketball player. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back. Tim, can you tell I am just fried completely from all of my work? I'm trying to put (laughs) words together and uh, sentences, and it's coming out crazy. So thank you for bearing with me. But uh, who you got next up on your list, my guy? I have 
the like USA Team USA Slayer Patty Mills from the San Antonio Spurs, who the Discord is very excited about. I'm a little bit less excited about. Um, he's another older guy, not as old as Lou Williams. He's like 32, 33. He had had nine seasons in a row with pretty solid offensive impact, and in this season he took a big big dip. And he was right about average offensively. Um, his pick and roll, ball handling, scoring had been really good. Took a bit of a dip this year. His pull-up shooting used to be something he was really solid at. Like A, A, B minus, C grades. This year was a D. Uh, I'm sorry, C plus, a D compared to other point guards. He's shooting 31.5% on pull-up three. So he's not quite that same guy he used to be. But he is a really solid catch and shoot off-ball three-point Dude, shooting 41.3%. Mm-hmm. That's an A minus. Uh, super smart, great IQ, would be a good culture locker room guy. Uh, in general, he doesn't really get to the rim all that well. In the in ball screens, he doesn't get to the rim well. He gets to the rim less than 96% of uh, pick and roll players. So he is a I'm gonna run my ball screen, hit my pull up two. And if you're playing any sort of aggressive screen screen coverage, that's taken away. And he hasn't been, he doesn't really have the juice or the 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 you know the dribble moves to go beat a guy off the dribble and then at like six foot six one go finish at the rim uh, over any sort of defense. Um, but he does have that off ball shooting. The playmaking for him in general, if you just look at his profile compared to everybody, it's like okay, it's, it's okay. Like but yeah. then when you compare it to other guards or other point guards, all of those like Bs turn into a bunch of Fs. Like for a guard, he's not a great playmaker. For a point guard, he's one of He's in the bottom 10, 20% uh, Mm -hmm. um, um, among point guards. So he can make some of the simple reads. He can get you into your sets. He can shoot off ball. And I think those are all things that can fit. But he's just not – he's kind of washed in the way that Marcus Gasol was washed. Where, like, he's still useful in different ways, but he's not the player he used to be. Um, But I I think strong off ball shooting, like, decent playmaking can be helpful. Uh, Alex Caruso, THT, Dennis Schroeder all show up higher in our playmaking talent grade than him. So that's a little bit of context there. He is a pretty good like off-screen guy, but the Lakers don't use a ton of that. But from a footwork, technique, shooting while moving standpoint, he's pretty solid. So he'd be, I mean, I don't mind him offensively as like an off-ball guard with the starting group or with the bench group, just getting them into sets. And then on defense, he had been a negative impact defender for years. This year he was an F impact defender and he has been for a few years in a row to the point where like his offense needs to be better than it was this year for him to have an overall neutral impact like if he continues to be this kind of offensive player if he doesn't regain that pull-up three-point shot the defense is bad enough that like he's going to be he's going to have a negative LeBron value he's pretty small he's not all that he's not someone you want to be using all that versatilely uh he's I mean a pretty good on ball point guard defender a pretty good like ball screen defender but he's just limited because of his size and he's not all that active in terms of like turnover gener uh turnover generation so I don't know overall like I can see it you, you like maybe he regains some of that like maybe he's more Olympic Patty Mills and uh has a little bit more of that juice but uh I don't know I, I can see the fit I like the off-ball shooting and the like decent playmaking in general yeah. but it's not yeah. the upside isn't quite there he's not the same Patty Mills he was three years ago no the the upside is that there are a few players who do still have a good gravity on 
off ball, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's the kind of player you're looking for where someone who like percentage almost be damned. It's like you need them to not leave them. Right. Yep. And that opens up the lanes for Anthony Davis, LeBron, all, all kinds of players. Good things happen when they're spacing. But if you needed to, you could throw them into a playmaking role on a second unit and not worry so much about like an Alex Caruso. Like I know you said he's better, but I think I trust Patty Mills more as of right now. I think he's the kind of point guard who moves players like with his mind, with his brain, moves players with his mind. He's like an X-Men. Um, you know what I mean, though? Like he moves it through technique and scheme and reading the floor a little bit more than I think where THT and Caruso are at right now. I think they can make the quick, quick, simple reads to like burst and and use their athleticism. But Mm -hmm. as far as manipulating defenses and again, that's, you know, not necessarily better. It's just different. So at least the value of the off ball gravity and the ability to play make in a second unit, there is value in that. But it's hard to see what the other guard rotation would have to look like around him to feel super, super comfortable. Probably have to be KCP and Caruso for defense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's tough to fit a guy like this who is another negative impact defender into that defensive rotation. We've covered a couple guys in a row that like there would be a pretty clear drop off on that end. Mm-hmm. So that worries me. His his pick and roll uh, passing data this year was a little bit worse than it used to be, and that worries me a tad. I think he's getting. I just think he's getting older. Um, he's someone that if you're running drop against, he can manipulate that defense and he'll make those reads and he'll hit his pull up twos. And I think he's pretty solid against drop coverage. When he's facing anything more aggressive than that. He's small. He doesn't get to or finish at the rim well. And I think his vision narrows a bit when you're more aggressive. So I would worry about him in a playoff environment in from that perspective. But I, I definitely do see the fit. And depending on how things shake out, you could certainly do worse than Patty Mills as like a backup point guard that can just get you into your sets and be a good off-ball shooter. Especially yeah. paired with like a THT. If THT is your like backup shooting guard that is going to be that on-ball slasher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, again, I don't hate it. It's, you know, it's hard to find the Patty Mills signing as the the, the key separator that really, you know, yeah. threw their lineup into a perfect harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there's flaws, downfalls with all these guys. Um, I guess coming up next, right, we have uh, my third person I want to talk about. To some extent, we saw him, you know, kind of get... <laughs> demolished in the Western Conference Finals, to be honest. Austin Rivers, who was with the Nuggets, you know, briefly at the end of the regular season and then into the playoffs. He bounced around a little bit, you know, since leaving Houston. Uh, had spent some time not on a team at all. But he is definitely more in the two-guard realm, uh, both on offense and defense. Per B-Ball Index profile, he is a secondary ball handler on offense and a point-of-attack defender. Um, some of his top talent areas, finishing one-on-one perimeter shooting perimeter defense. He gets to the, when he gets to the rim, he's good. He does not get there often. Um, his three point shooting is solid except (laughs) for pull up shooting. Um, and, and there's some gravity there as well. Um, not quite as good as Patty Mills. Um, I don't know. I'm at least more intrigued with what he can provide on defense and being a, 
a, a less, you know, impactful, like possession by possession offensive guy, kind of someone who can stand in the corner, maybe get their own shot if they really need to. But I do think there's like a, he's he's gotten better as a defender, I think, throughout the years. Um, I don't know. What do you think about Austin Rivers? Yeah, so his defense like from an activity standpoint, it's pretty solid. Like he generates steals at a pretty, pretty good rate. The on-ball steals is where he does that. He has an A-minus pickpocket rating and he has an A loose ball recovery rate. And we look at his impact on, when we look at his impact on the team's ability to generate turnovers, his real adjusted turnover rate, he has a B-minus there. So when he's on the court, your team generates more turnovers. That is kind of the high point of his defense. He's weak in some other areas, but overall... The impact for him is a D minus, which doesn't sound good, but the the floor to the Fs is just so much deeper. Like he's mm. like minus 0.8 points per 100 possessions. Some of these other guys are like minus two, minus two and a half. Like there's such a there's a yeah. big difference there. And he is a below average defender, but not poor enough that like it's just a huge, huge issue. And he shoots the ball well enough. Uh, like you said, his, his pull-up three isn't as good. He's got that C- this past year. But about a 40% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter on B-plus quality, we can get that up a little bit. If he is mm-hmm. going to take less pull-ups and he's going to just be an off-ball guard with the Lakers, you can get up to an A or A-minus three-point shot quality, and this is maybe a 40% three-point shooter. Um, his getting to the rim got a little bit better this past year from the year before, but finishing at the rim, he's decent. He's another dude that, like, from a playmaking standpoint, it's all right, but for a guard or – I mean, for a shooting guard, he's he's not awful, but it's a little bit below average from what you'd expect. But you've got some scoring punch. You've got some turnover generation, and his defense is below average but not poor to the point where it's like, I, I don't see how we can play this guy. So I'm I'm intrigued by this option. I am as well, and I, I think he probably earned himself slightly more than the men based on how he played – Damian Lillard in that first series um, when Denver's guard rotation was just completely decimated. They won that series, Um, you know, and and yeah, Damian Lillard made crazy shots over him and he fouled Damian Lillard shooting threes like six different times. But there's there's something there, I think, that the Lakers could use. And I don't know if I would feel comfortable with that mini mid-level. But again, if there's a guy you know, with all these guards, there's only so many spots on teams with opportunity and it's, it becomes musical chairs a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, you know, eight guys for six spots. And sometimes a better player gets left out of the rotation of those because of whatever opportunity, money, you know. And if it were a guy like him again at the men, I would feel great about him. Um, you know, even I know we don't have it, but even like a biannual, like three million ish would feel great about that but it's it's the one bullet that you got to shoot like who who leaves from lakers backcourt and you say okay austin rivers can provide some you know it's probably kcp i think if there's no trade we have like a legitimate chance for alex caruso to get a surprisingly large deal from somebody Mm -hmm. i don't think it's going to be anything crazy but he could get like a four-year 50 million deal from from like a Della Vadova yeah. couple of years ago. Yeah. And so I think the Lakers would match that. They have his bird rights, but th- that is someone that I think teams will t- take a shot at. Uh other than that, it, I think it would have to be a, a trade of somebody and 
Yeah. I know at least when we were walking through trade scenarios, we were more willing. We wanted to keep uh, KCP, right? We were like, all right, if you if you get rid of what was the thought process? I remember a lot of our trade scenarios had us trading away like THT or Kuzma, but like keeping KCP for that defense if we were bringing in a guard that wasn't great. And with a lot of these KCP guys, we're looking for at Buddy Healed. Oh, right, right, right. With a lot of these guys, like they're not great defenders, but they'll be par- partnered with other good, solid mm-hmm. defensive players in the backcourt. So you can take the easier matchup of the two in most scenarios. And to your point, if Rivers or one of these guys does end up getting a good deal from somebody else, it's possible. But because of that game of musical chairs, that means somebody else will become available. So yeah. there might be names higher up on the list that I'm not bringing up today that maybe become maybe an Alec Burks becomes available because the Knicks choose to move on from him or he ends up getting lower offers from other teams and he's not on this list but he could be um, right. or like a Derrick Rose is higher on the list than we're going to cover today but depending on how the chips fall maybe he does become available I don't know yeah. So that's kind of the game of musical chairs where that you're just looking to find some sort of value based on who ends up falling out. All right, man, who you got up next? So I am intrigued, but I'm not bought into this option. This is Tomas Sadoransky. He offensively is a primary ball handler. C impact, you know, average impact guy. He's a decent playmaker. He's like one of the more legit playmakers on on the list that I'm bringing up today. Uh, he finishes at the rim well, doesn't get to the rim well, D minus grade there, and his three point shooting is where I Whoa. see a question mark. Well, so the thing is, he's got a D minus, or I'm sorry, a D pull up three point shooting versus a B catch and shoot three point shooting. So it is not the manipulate the defensive screen coverages in a ball screen kind of guy, but it is maybe an off ball has his gravity can catch and shoot but you just go under every time and it's game over yeah so that's the thing so he's not your pick and roll dude but he can be a spot up three-point shooter so that is he's one but not the other uh and defenses went under his ball screens at a pretty high rate because of this so he does not answer or add that shot in the arm like i talked about with lou williams to this lakers offense from a ball screen standpoint because of that and because how defenses like to play him but he's a good passer uh and he could be an off-ball shooter so that's really what you're looking at offensively defensively he was in the wing stopper role and he's like six six uh decent in a lot of areas defensively c minus matchup difficulty is a little bit lower than i would expect for a wing stopper b versatility uh, B-plus loose ball recovery rate, B-pickpocket rating, so he's generating some turnovers. He'll defend kind of one through three, and he had C-impact. So it's kind of like average offensive impact, average defensive impact. You can do a lot worse uh, than than a guy who's just kind of an average NBA player at $5 million a year. So the shooting is the question mark. He won't add the pick-and-roll dynamic you know, kind of scoring, and a lot of these guys won't. But uh, he does have a good floor of impact already with the skill set he does have. Man, yeah, what a very specific player uh, he is. Not bad. It's very specific, again, <laughs> to have this primary ball handler wing stopping combination mm-hmm. with a specific strengths in playmaking and specific weaknesses with, um, you know, ability to finish at the rim, but. You know, he doesn't do it very often. Yeah, he doesn't. Again, he's not creating like his own shots. Rivers. Right, right. 
when he's there, he's good. But uh, and that size is intriguing to me. I think kind of building on a, a big team, you know what I mean? A guy who is six, six, who could practically be, you know what I mean? Like a, a point on offense mm-hmm. and having another wing stopper is intriguing. So that's a unique combination of skills that you don't find in a lot of players. Um, yeah. If we look at him as a know. wing, does that change your perspective right. where he's a wing stopper that is a catch and shoot three point shooter that can, he can get I mean, you in yes. your sets. That's he, a starting point guard around LeBron James, right? Yep, there's because your number you can one hide guy. LeBron on defense and you have some versatility there and somebody who – what's his gravity? His three-point gravity. Uh, his three-point gravity good. this year was a D minus, so not great. I would if, – if he had any you know, average gravity, that would be amazing. But if people are going to sag so far off of him, even if he's an OK catch and shoot three pointer, that gravity could go up. But like you said, with the shot quality improving with LeBron mm-hmm. there, able to make those skip passes, it'll go up. But will it go up enough to make it respectable and space the floor to help everyone else? Yeah. And the extra piece of context is his quality this year was already an A. It was already 91st percentile. So his room for growth mm. as an off-ball shooter isn't quite the same as like a Patty Mills or some of these other guys. And because mm. that shot quality was so high, this is partially why his his three-point shot making ends up being a D. Like, you know, the pull-up shooting is bad. The catch-and-shoot shooting is a B, which is good, but it's been on pretty open shots. So that that means that, you know, in an average situation, he's probably even worse as a three-point shooter. So there's less... Room for growth for a guy who shot about 36% this year from three already on really high quality. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's another maybe it's too much money. But if there was some other scenario where you could come down a little bit on that, uh, if he's a musical chairs guy, I wouldn't hate it. But um, it's yeah, it's again, very specific skill set that can add skill sets to our backcourt instead of replace. Mm hmm. You know, none of these guys are wing stoppers. So that's an addition, you know, and if you can fill the other areas out without losing too much, then you just have another, you know, tool in the bag. Yeah. So I'm intrigued, but um, we'll see. He, uh, you know, he he might as well be one of the guys who gets left out of musical chairs, chairs rotation. But getting to our kind of quick hitters here, Tim. I don't want to talk about these for very long, at least not this guy, but I brought it up. I picked him again because of the connection. Avery Bradley mm. is once again a free agent and able to come to the Lakers on a min deal if he wanted to, you know, chase another ring. Uh, well, I think technically he got his ring, even though he wasn't in the bubble. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say, you know, please no. Really? Why is that? Again, I don't think he replaces a specific person well enough. And the shooting is not there. Mm-hmm. And the gravity is not there. I'm not looking at his profile, but there's no way the gravity's there. You are correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so to me, it's like I understand like the defense again, building strength onto a strength. Uh, the familiarity with Vogel and the scheme, that's actually attractive. And for a 10th min guy, if he wants to be the Markeith Morris of guards for us, I wouldn't hate it. But he also seems to want 
a certain level of role and it's kind of expected. Even when he was in Miami, I feel like he got, you know, benched and, and just didn't have a very good year. I know he was hurt a lot of it, but mm-hmm. um, it just seems like the kind of move the Lakers could make. It's in their history with these kinds of guys. But um, yeah, barring like a mass exodus of guard, you know, rotation, I, I just don't I'm not into it. What do you what do you think? Are you into it? I'm not all that into it. I don't remember super fondly his time in L.A. I mean, he obviously didn't make it to the bubble, and that's not not why. But looking back at his like no. impact metrics, he was a D-plus <laughs> defensive impact guy for the Lakers. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was that nominal point guard. Like not pa- he's not passing. He's not getting to the rim. He's not finishing all that well at the rim. He's not a good three-point shooter. He's been like bottom 20% of three-point shooters for the past however many years. And yeah. we would feed him really, really high-quality threes. And, you know, you wouldn't get awful three-point percentages, but it was 99th percentile three-point shot quality with the Lakers that season. Uh, and, yeah. he, and he was just underperforming massively. Like, th- he was performing at 36%. Caruso this year was what, like 40%, something like that? Like, having a guy who's just going to give you what they should score on the super high three-point shot quality, you can do much better than him. So... If the team were really lacking in point of attack defense, I would look a little bit more at it. And I do think a lot of his perimeter defense is more noise than impact. Uh, but it's just, I don't know. I, I don't I don't like it. I like other guys on this list a little bit better. How about you? Who's your first quick hitter? Uh, Corey Joseph, who uh, was in Sacramento and then Detroit this past year on offense, secondary ball handler. And so his strength is he gets to the rim well, he finishes well. From a shooting standpoint, not there. He's been, uh, for the past six seasons, bottom 20% of players in three-point shot making. He is not a very good playmaker for a point guard, but can make some simple reads. C-minus overall offensive impact, but shooting is what you worry about. On defense, he's a D-minus impact guy, and he he doesn't fight over screens well. His rotations aren't great. Uh, Mm. It's just like, I'm I'm not loving it. I, I don't know. He he's a it's he's tough. a guy. He gets to the rim. He does a couple things well, but not the right things to make him a great fit. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I haven't seen him in a long time. He's also getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's another just consider if, if anything a tiebreaker. I think the Lakers, you know, not that their guard rotation is old. Their guard rotation is actually the you know, part of their youth of their team. Um so I think continuing to build with players around that would help i mean at the same time patty mills could probably come in and teach a lot of these guys some stuff to make them better and and be you know like a veteran presence there's value in that too but you have lebron you have anthony davis you know you have vets around there kcp um on top of all the assistant coaches so i don't know it's meh it's like you know we lose Schroeder for nothing and you gotta have a guy i get it yeah, it's uh, he's uh, he's lower on my list. Who, no, who, so of course. Yeah, who's your last guy? So, so my last guy, I do actually have some intrigue in. That's Mike James. Um, okay. He, I believe, was playing in China this last year, and then signed. Their season ended, and then signed like an end of the year deal with the Nets, uh, and he got a little bit of run last year. Um, there's some intrigue to me because of the he's uh, like really good you know getting to the rim 
like pretty good getting to the rim, right? But he's more of a pass out guy. So he's not going to get to the rim and finish, but he's going to get to the rim and often, you know, 98th percentile adjusted drives per 75. The three point shooting is just okay, um, but it's not terrible. 35%, 0.5% overall, 62nd percentile. Um, there is a like a strength in him where there's like to me, and I'm trying to look at his defensive activity. So he's got a good loose ball recovery rate. Pickpocket rating's not great. He's a little undersized, but there's some there's something there to me as far as like a glue guy rotation piece. I can see making some of the small plays we expect from our backcourt. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to speak to that in a um, in a measured like this, this metric, this metric, that metric. And but there's I, I like what I see from Mike James. And that's basically like all I'm chasing here. What do you think about Mike James? Yeah, he has a silver one man wrecking crew badge for a reason. He's a shot creator. <laughs> He's going to go take some of those pull up threes. He's going to drive and like you said, pass out a, a good bit. Um, decent three point shooting. All of the playmaking metrics we do have on him, even though it was a pretty small sample, are pretty good. So he's a guy that comes in and immediately is making things happen for the offense. And I can see that adding some value. Defensively, the impact isn't good, but it's not Mm -hmm. super bad. So you can live with it. Uh, And he had an A-minus offensive impact this year. So I can see that adding value and him being someone that just off the bench – in your like kind of like we wanted Dion to be where he just shows up and he helps the offense mm. get going. He can be that kind of shot creator, deep bench player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Like I said, he's very much a glue guy. Um, so having seen him, he's become a much better player since he was in Phoenix. It's kind of where he broke out. Um, I know he was in China last year, but you know, again, the rotating musical chairs sometimes leaves out the better players Mm -hmm. and uh maybe he had the opportunity out there to you know get more experience in reps because that's what you can do as an american in in the chinese basketball league is get reps you know and it's not the same reps but you know if you're if you're playing your cards right you should be honing your skill in any kind of professional you know officiated basketball settings so i'm intrigued and hopefully you know that's more of a min guy but Still, Mm -hmm. last guy I have, and he is he has one skill set, but he's really good at it. Is Bryn Forbes shooter? Mm -hmm. He doesn't really do anything else on offense, but he he is a gold dead eye shooter, silver microwave badge. He's points off the bench. He's got a silver catch and shoot badge, a bronze pick and popper badge. This is a guy setting ghost screens. This would be the best ghost screen setter LeBron's played with in, in LA. Uh, 98th percentile three-point shot making. Shot 45% Question. on threes. Do you think he did that before he was on the Bucks? Do you really good three-point shooter? No, no, no. The pick and the ghost screen stuff. Uh, he, so I don't believe so, but he's always been, since his Michigan State days, very, very good at shooting, contorting his body in weird directions. And mm. when it comes to ghost screens, it's the like... I'm setting a screen and then I have to turn and then rotate my body open up to the ball catch with my momentum going backwards and shoot. And he's always been a very good shooter off motion. No, I don't mean it as a bad thing. I'm just Mm -hmm. more like, wow, he added this to his game because it's good scheme for a small to set a screen on Giannis's guy. And and then they ghost that and he gets what you know what I mean? I just mean that as a positive. Yeah, I I think it's just them recognizing he's got the good footwork and he can shoot. Mm -hmm. 
with the, his like uh, momentum going in different ways and they just leveraged it in a smart way. Because, yeah, it's it's really helpful when he's setting a screen for Giannis or somebody. And we've seen the Bucks turn to him at times just as somebody who can like go out there and hit some threes. He's a solid off-screen guy as well, running down those, uh, you know, pin downs, flare screens, A-minus efficiency there. Um, but, again, he doesn't really do anything else on offense. And defensively, he's not good. He's very negatively impactful. He's another hider. He's in that helper role, but doesn't really help. Doesn't take on tough matchups. Isn't active. So it's not like overall, he's not a positive impact player, but he's a guy that like on the, you know, in these playoffs for the Lakers, if you can just go throw a 45% three point shooter, 47% catch and shoot three point shooter out there, that would have really helped. And you can, like, stomach the defense just to have some shooting that you know is reliable. So that is how I view him. I wouldn't hate him coming off the bench as, like, a, a backup or third string two guard. But there are other routes that you can go that might help the team a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, again, once you get down to these guys, it kind of seems more like a 10th man than a, you know, second guard off the bench. Yeah. But – like that's a very valuable thing. However, you did have you factored in the five to eight percent drop when he signs as a Laker? <laughs> hey, a five percent drop makes him a forty-two percent catch and shoot three-point shooter, which I'm good with. Forty percent from three, that's perfect. <laughs> what about eight? It's still pretty good. It's good enough. And and actually, <laughs> his like three-point shot quality was like I think it was a B B plus this year. If that's higher, like really, whoa. Yeah, you'd expect it. I feel like to be higher based on how they could use him, you know. But I don't know. I'm I, I'm not mad at it. You've been the Bryn Forbes stand on this podcast for years now, so um, yeah, I trust <laughs> you. Whenever you stand, even though he's uh, good at that one thing. We've covered a couple guys here at the end that like they are good yeah. at their one thing they do, but big yeah. picture, they're not positive impact players. Yeah. So and that one thing is useful for the Lakers mm-hmm. right now. Yep. He's similar to so, yeah. like a, a Carmelo Anthony who like very good three point shooting. The rest of his game has fallen off a good bit. Defense is negative, but that three point shooting could be nice. We'll get there. We'll talk we'll talk Melo next time maybe. You want to do the the forwards next time? I think so. We we'll have to take a look at the calendar cuz the draft is coming up, so we'll have to do some draft mm, stuff and then That's true. We'll have to make sure that we get through our like wings and bigs before free agency begins. So we'll maybe we'll have pods at a slightly higher frequency. I don't know. We'll we'll just have to make sure we cover the content in time. Definitely. Definitely. Or we just record one long pod and I break it up into two days because mm. I've been working like crazy, but uh, thank you for uh, joining us today. If you haven't already, feel free to DM Tim or I on Twitter a screenshot of a five-star review through Apple or whatever listening device you're going through to get our link to the Discord. We've had a lot of people reaching out to me lately. It's been awesome. Uh, So, you know, Tim and them do great work there. Thank you to all of you in the Discord. And, um, you know, we're just trying to trying to land this plane in the offseason figure out what's going to go on we'll figure out you know what uh what we'd like to see so come join us talk speculate and until then we'll talk to you next time